0: We want to handle the very divisive, controversial and current topic of racism. Now, we are in the midst in the world of an upsurging of racism as one of the great dividing factors of humanity. Here in the United States there's been an upsurge of racism and oddly enough some are attempting to justify racism on the basis of two two mantras. One is called western civilization and the other is more of an implication that western civilization Uh, claims as its foundation the Christian faith, believing in Jesus Christ. And so we have this this claim, and I won't at first uh, debunk the claim, I'll just lay it out, that God favors certain races over others. And this runs so deeply in this nation that there's nowhere where it's more evident where this practice of the dividing of the races is more evident than on sunday mornings between about 9:30 and noon that's when this belief which is a very deeply held and deeply rooted belief dominates the life of american citizens america claims more or less that somewhere in the vicinity of 60 to 70% of the population are believers in god and or some lesser percentage believers in jesus christ and People turn in to or tune in to religious broadcasting, and/or they go to church on Sundays. But on Sunday mornings, blacks go to black churches, whites go to white churches, Hispanics go to Hispanic churches, and if challenged or questioned, uh, this is the answer. That is generally given. Well, people just prefer to be with their own kind. <laughs> the first time I heard that argument was when I was um, a student at a Christian college here in the United States. I had newly come up from the islands, studying Bible um, at a church school. And uh, when the issue of the oneness of the body of Christ arose, I I I raised the issue. This was back in 1972, and I raised it with the Bible professor of the particular course I was taking at the time. And he sort of smiled at me in that sort of condescending way and said, "Well, you know." there's a lot you have to learn about this country. I understand why you would be concerned about these things but you just need to to know there's a lot more you need to understand about this country. Very patronizing. But I pressed him and he said, Look, people prefer on Sunday mornings to escape from all the trials and hardships of life and come to church and they don't want any additional uh, stress. They come to find a message that can be helpful to them in living life. And I said, That's, you know, <laughs> that doesn't have a thing to do with the kingdom of God. Everything you're giving me by way of supposed answers are the answers that pertain to a people group or a national group that wants what it wants. I am asking about the kingdom of God. And I, I don't particularly care how uh, the culture of America uh, decides what it wants. I'm not interested in the culture of America. I'm interested in the kingdom of God. That's what I was saying. He said, well, you know, and this is a white professor. Um, he said well you know you don't see any black people coming trying to get into the white churches they're just as comfortable being with themselves as white people are with being by themselves on sunday morning in church worshiping god and i realized that i was going to get nowhere with with him but it struck me that even even at that time, this was 1972 when I first came, that there was no interest whatsoever in either whites meeting with blacks who were believers or blacks meeting with whites. And and as I came to know the American landscape um, more completely, I saw that all the racial groups by and large prefer that. But it's not just that; it's denominations preferring their own denominations. And if you if you want to know where racists hang out, uh, where do you find racists? Do you want to know what what part of society produces racists? The answer is, they populate the church pews every Sunday. American Christianity has, by omission, become the seedbed for American racism. Now I'm not suggesting that this is the only country in the world where racism is practiced. the remote corners of the world, Uh, Hutus slaughtered Tutsis to the tune of a half a million, Um, the Roanim in uh, um, Southeast Asia are being persecuted uh, by a majority population, Um, the Chinese are notorious for being racist against other groups of people- the Ugars, for example, um, and so on. Throughout Africa, racism is a common thing. We have, in the world, a people, humanity, divided primarily by race. Now, the American brand of it is interesting because, as I said, politicians try to explain privilege through the legislative process by talking about uh, western civilization. One fellow, I think it's Representative King from Iowa, is fond of talking about western civilization. And in some ways, what he's identified is correct. Western civilization is rooted in religious racism. I'll explain. Some time ago, I was in the Ukraine and uh, I was engaging a Ukrainian in discussions uh, about the New Testament church versus the Ukrainian Orthodox church and he was assuring me, no, 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 the Ukrainian Orthodox Church is uh, the New Testament church, Church of the New Testament. And I, I, I was at an impasse, so I said to him, looking him straight in the eye, I said, can I be a member of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church? He looked at me and he, he, got, he turned a whiter shade of pale to to quote quote an old song, it suddenly, with the force of a a, a hammer blow, it occurred to him what I was saying. Now the Ukrainian Orthodox Church and Orthodoxy uh, in general is about the church that embraces a people group. And in order to be a member Of that church, you have to be of that race. All Orthodox churches are like that Russian Orthodox Church, the Greek Orthodox Church, uh, the Syrian Orthodox Church, because they're all the daughters of the Roman Church. When the Roman Church, uh, when the Roman Empire broke up, all of the member states adopted for themselves uh, a form of that uh, religion, religious hegemony, and defined their identities by the state church. Now the state church was a political creation, it was by no means the creation of Paul, Peter or the early apostles and I'll come to and will define the message of Christ that has been concerning which has been an attempt to conflate the message of Christ with historical christianity and that conflation introduced a culture that is at the heart of racism the masqueraded as and disguised as masquerading as and disguised as western civilization the root of this supposed western civilization was uh, largely contributed to by both the greeks and the romans greco-roman the greco-roman world But they wouldn't claim, the advocates of, uh, uh, the alt right advocates of Western civilization would not argue that pagan Rome or pagan Greece with the pantheon of gods is the foundation of Western civilization. They will attempt to argue that. Christianity as it emerged through the Greco-Roman world and changed the Greco-Roman world, is the foundation of western civilization. So I'd like to wade into that swamp for a moment because prior to uh, the adoption of the Christian faith by Constantine in 325 AD, Uh, following the Council of Nicaea um, was what actually brought the Christian faith that connected the Christian faith to the political orthodoxy of empires. And as the Roman Empire broke up and the empires of Europe uh, emerged and then a Charlemagne um, attempted to reunite Uh, the the Roman Empire, following his death, the legacy was that all these emerging empires, the German Empire, the British Empire, uh, the Portuguese Empire, etc., Spanish Empire, they all by then had adopted this principle of state church that was introduced by Constantine as the nexus between politics and religion. In this political religion, Constantine, as the arbiter of it, was a very skillful politician. He believed that the only way to unite the Roman Empire, which by then had stretched from the, the wall of Hadrian in the north of England all the way virtually to the Indus Valley, uh, to unify this vast empire, it would be necessary to find cohesive forces, as it were, the glue to hold it together and that could not be the the Roman military by itself, although the Roman military had largely subjugated much of this uh, territorial geography. What he discovered was that the most common and popular and cohesive glue to the Roman Empire was the result of the work of Paul, Peter and uh, the other apostles, because about approximately 10% of the Roman Empire, by some counts, uh, were believers in Jesus by the time of Constantine. So he saw the way of giving Preeminence, giving a, a uh, franchise to the Christian faith by making them the empire's religion. Now the empire always had its religion. It was the religion of Vesta, and the, the, the service of the Vestal Virgins in the temple of Vesta. She was the mother goddess of Rome. Rome had orthodoxy before it had, quote, Christian orthodoxy. When Constantine came to power, he decided that the thing that would work for him was to Christianize the Roman Empire as a way of creating social and and civil order and gave the franchise of power to Constantine who then established this order. Charlemagne was brought in after the collapse of the original classic Roman Empire by the, it was destroyed by the, uh, by the Germanic tribes, um, around the early fifth century. It was then rebooted by Charlemagne. And as the whole, as the Holy Roman Emperor. By the way, as a point of curiosity, if you visit the Vatican you will see in the main entrance hall, as you go in through the main entrance doors, if you look to your left, you will see a rider, a military warrior, on a horse and if you look to, if you look to the right, you will see another of these warriors on horses. The one on the left is Constantine and the one on the right is Charlemagne because the claim to the foundation or basis of power and rule, the basilio in Greek or the basilica in Latin, of the Roman church is a grant of power originally by Constantine in the 4th century and a return grant of authority by Charlemagne in the 8th century. They both Politically elevated the, 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 the church and gave or gave Christianity the imprimatur of the state's church. Now, as a result, if you were in the Roman Empire, you were expected to be a Christian. It, had, it held the franchise. When following the death of, uh, of Charlemagne, the empire devolved into uh, more or less chaotic disorder, the popes emerged, the leaders of the, of the church franchise emerged as the political and religious leaders of the empire. They were the ones who attempted to hold the Roman Empire together for the benefit of the church by sending crusades over a 250 year period, they sent Crusades into the Middle East and bled dry uh, the coffers of, of England and uh, 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 coffers of Europe, the European member states of the Holy Roman Empire, and, and essentially bankrupted it of, tr- of blood, of manhood, and treasure. It was against this background that states began to move away from the Roman hegemony. Martin Luther was the most uh, notable of religious figures who actually did not intend to move away from the Roman hegemony, he was just disgusted with the rapacious practice of uh, selling indulgences and continuing to ensure a stream of money flowing into the coffers of the papacy. And so when he began his push back against that idea, uh, other states were emboldened, states like England, and began to broke away, break away rather from this Roman hegemony. Some states, however, remained firmly in the orbit of, uh, of the Roman church, states such as Italy and Spain, Portugal, and relied upon uh, the, the papacy to make to divide and adjudicate claims as to territorial rights in the New World. So what is commonly thought about as Western civilization and the spread of the Christian faith is not is not that at all. But I will say this. If you plan to claim Western civilization as the basis of the superiority of one culture over another, then you must be careful because Western civilization produced the likes of Adolf Hitler who slaughtered the Jews, the story of Adolf, which which is why people today still deny the holocaust. And it's all part of the anti-Jewish, <coughs> pardon me, anti-Jewish sentiment and part and parcel of the preference of Caucasian or white, white people. So it's, it's a convoluted history that's based in these foundational missteps which are mislabeled the Christian faith. So, what I want to do is strip this notion of any, uh, remove the veil of secrecy and debunk the myth of Western civilization, which is just code word in the alt right for uh, white supremacy. And I am not here to advocate that everybody get together and do. you know and have kumbaya sessions. I want to tell you about the true kingdom of God, the true body of Christ, and why the notion of one race being somehow preferred by God is dem- is a demonic doctrine. it's a doctrine of demons because, and I lay it out for you in the scriptures in a moment. This will obviously take more than this one session, so I I intend for you to, to listen to the whole of this message. The, since the fall of man, since Adam separated himself from his father, the goal of the message of Christ has been to reconcile man to God in the person of Christ, in the living, body of Christ, a spiritual entity, and the concession that such a thing is not possible on the grounds that God somehow prefers one race over another. And by the way, this would be equally uh, condemning if black people decided that no, God prefers black people over white people. It'd be just as as damnable a heresy if Hispanics believed that God prefers Hispanics over everyone else. No, the, the entire spectrum of that form of segregation is a demonic doctrine because the glory of God is designed to be seen in its its phosphorescent beauty, in its most gloriously illuminated beauty, not in the people deciding to get along or coming together occasionally to have a prayer meeting in the city and then going back to being divided as they were just before they came. It is not about unity, Unity is a counterfeit, oneness is the goal, oneness. Because the glory of it is the showing that in spite of the work of the devil, beginning with setting a man against his own flesh in the garden, Adam and Eve, Adam said, the woman you gave Me, That's the result of deception, he was blaming his wife. Then their sons, Cain and Abel, uh, experienced the, the next steps of this and that was the murder of Abel by Cain, his brother. The spirit of division is an assault against the doctrine of unity, uh, excuse me, an assault against the doctrine of oneness. But unity is a compromise because you could appear to be unified and meet together to do things. God is not interested in a spirit of unity. The Holy Spirit does not produce a spirit of unity. The Holy Spirit produces oneness in the manner in which God meant for a husband and wife to be one, in which God meant for uh, Christ and the Father to be one, and all those who believe in Christ would be one in that same manner. That's how the enemies overcome, not by some agreement to get along and come together and march over some uh, Christian position on some issue, It is really about coming back to oneness. Now, in the next broadcast, I won't go over this that I have done. I will delve into the theology of oneness with an eye toward the disclosure of the very nature of God. You cannot claim, you cannot claim to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ of any maturity and be a racist, you cannot. If you do, you've deceived yourself. God is not mocked. Now it's time for this word to come forth with absolute clarity and I hope to bring it in an unflinching manner. Listen to the next broadcast as I get into the theology of the oneness of the body of Christ. I'm Sam Solon. Join me for that. Bye bye.